When you look at this story, remarkable story, at first you might think, boy, this seems a long way from my experience. But I want us to see today that God speaks to us directly through this story. And so what we are to understand here is that we are learning something about what we are to do when the way ahead of us is hard, when it's hard to follow Jesus. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. I'm David Pick. And Colin, this story you're talking about here is actually the transfiguration, right? Yeah, that's right. And uh, the transfiguration happened very shortly before the crucifixion of Jesus. And that, of course, was a time of desperate testing for the disciples. What were they to do when Jesus was arrested and, and crucified? They all forsook him and fled. So what we have in this story is really Jesus preparing them for what was the most difficult time that they had faced as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, for us, there are going to be times when it is really hard to follow the Lord Jesus. And uh, when you come to one of these times, you might think, well, I would like to have had an experience like being at the Transfiguration. That would help me a great deal. And of course, we don't have that kind of experience as three of the disciples did. But, you know, we're going to learn from this story today how Jesus will strengthen us when we face times when it is very hard to follow him. And so if you're in one of these places today where it really is tough for you to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, well, may the word of the Lord strengthen you today. May it give you encouragement May it give you what you need to face the trials that you are facing right now. And we're going to see all of that in an application of what happened in this marvelous story of the Transfiguration. We find this story in Matthew chapter 17 as we begin this message entitled Confusion. Here's Colin. When you look at this story, remarkable story, at first you might think, boy, this seems a long way from my experience. But I want us to see today that God speaks to us directly through this story, and in particular, gives direction for what we are to do when the way ahead of us is hard. The reason I say that is the context of this story. Remember last week that we saw how Jesus told the disciples that he was going to suffer, be rejected, be killed, and on the third day rise again. And Peter hated the thought of that. He rebuked Jesus, and he would have gone on rebuking Jesus if Jesus hadn't rebuked him. The way ahead was hard. And the next story that comes in the gospel is this story. And so what we are to understand here is that We are learning something about what we are to do when the way ahead of us is hard, when it's hard to follow Jesus. I want us to see four things from this remarkable story today. When the way ahead of you is hard, look at the glory of Jesus, rejoice in the work of Jesus, rest in the sufficiency of Jesus, and listen to the words of Jesus. First then, when the way ahead of you is hard, look at the glory of Jesus. And we read in verse 2 that Jesus was transfigured 
before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. Now, this word transfigured here is the word metamorpho, from which we get our word metamorphosis. In other words, there was a transformation, not just in the appearance of Jesus, but in his very form. Jesus is the Lord of glory. But when he came into the world, his glory was veiled. A baby lying in the manger, a carpenter working in the shop. But you remember that as he began his ministry, there were little glimpses of his glory that kept breaking out. I mean, he turned water into wine. He fed 5,000 people. When he calmed the storm, the disciples said, who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? So there were these breakings out of his glory in his ministry. But here on the mountain of transfiguration, the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ is wonderfully revealed to his disciples. So John, who was there on the top of the mountain, says at the beginning of his gospel, we have seen his glory. And of course, he's referring there particularly to what happened on the mountain of transfiguration. And one day, we will see the glory of Jesus too. Now, Matthew records what this looked like. His face shone like the sun. Now, when you hear about a shining face, you might think about a story in the Old Testament. You remember when Moses went up the mountain and he was there for 40 days receiving the law of God, and after 40 days in the presence of God, when Moses came down the mountain, his face was shining. It was as if something of the glory of the Lord rubbed off on him as he lingered in the presence of God, which, by the way, points us to something very wonderful. There is a brightness about a person who spends time in the presence of God. You know, it says in Psalm 34, those who look to him are radiant and their faces are never covered in shame. But remember, the radiance of those who look to him, it doesn't come from within us. It rubs off on us, as it were, from being in the presence of our glorious Lord. And that's what happened to Moses. And of course, that's why when he came down the mountain, the bright shining on his face started to fade away because it wasn't intrinsic to him. It was something that came upon him as he lingered in the presence of the Lord. So what I want you to notice is that what happens here in this story is very different because this radiance doesn't come to Jesus this radiance comes from Jesus. It just bursts out from him. He was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun. Now, this is clearly one of the most dramatic stories in all of the Gospels. And I want, as best we can, for us to try and picture what this was actually like from what we're told here in the Bible. 
And one thing that has helped me in terms of picturing this is a suggestion made by one scholar that it is quite likely that the transfiguration actually happened at night. And there are several reasons for thinking that this may be the case. First, Luke tells us in his account that Jesus went up the mountain to pray. And we know, of course, of other occasions where Jesus went up a mountain to pray at night. And if this is indeed the case, then what happened here, of course, would have been in some ways similar to what happened on the night when Jesus was born. You remember, there were shepherds out in the fields, and they were keeping watch over their flocks by night. And suddenly, you remember, the night sky was filled with this radiant light. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and then Luke records, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Now, another reason for thinking that this may have happened at night, just to get this picture in your mind, is that Luke tells us that Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. Now, it could be, of course, simply that they were heavy with sleep because they were pretty exhausted having climbed up the mountain. But I suspect that what happened here was that they had climbed up the mountain during the day and the darkness had now fallen, that they were exhausted and it was also late. In other words, what happened here was very similar to what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane, where again, it was late at night and the disciples' eyes are heavy and they fall asleep. Now try and get the picture. Peter staggers up to the top of the mountain and he's pretty exhausted when he gets there. The sun's going down and Peter lies down flat on his back and falls fast asleep. And then he's wakened, startled by a glorious light piercing through the darkness that is around him. It's so bright he can hardly open his eyes. But as he does, he realizes that the light and the brightness, it's not coming from the moon or the stars, it's not coming from the sun, it's coming from Jesus himself. Now, how does this story then speak to us today? Well, remember, Jesus had just told his disciples that he must suffer, that he must be rejected, and that he was going to be killed. In just a few days, John who was on the top of the mountain, would actually see the face of Jesus, beaten, bloodied, so disfigured that it wasn't even recognizable as a human face. And after six hours of hanging on a cross, John would see the light in Jesus' eye go out as he entered into death. And these disciples need to know that this is not the end for Jesus. And so just a few days before he goes to the cross on the mountain of transfiguration, he gives them a glimpse of his glory. See, that's the thing we need when the way ahead of us is hard. Right now, the Lord Jesus Christ 
is seated at the right hand of the Father in the glory of heaven. Suffering and death were not the end for Jesus. And the hard and painful path that God may lead you on, whatever suffering that involves, will not be the end for you either. When the way ahead is hard, look at the glory of Jesus. And that's just the first thing we're looking at. And when the way ahead is hard, there are a few other things we can do. And we'll continue with that in just a moment. This is Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. Open the Bible is supported by our listeners. That's people just like you. And this month, if you're able to begin a new donation in support of Open the Bible in the amount of £5 per month or more, we have an offer for you. We'd like to send you an Advent devotional. It's by J.C. Ryle, and it's called The Coming of the King. More about this later on in the programme. Now, back to the message, Confusion. Here's Colin. When the way ahead of you is hard... Rejoice in the work of Jesus. Notice it says in verse 3, And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. So again, keep in mind, Jesus is preparing to endure the agonies of the cross. Can you imagine this? He's just told his disciples what lies ahead of him. You would think that this would be the moment where the disciples would step up. They would gather around him. They would minister to him. They would support him. They would read scripture to him. They would strengthen him. They would encourage him. And what happens, of course, is exactly the opposite. Peter blows it and rebukes him. Some help. And so, so what does God do? Well, God the Father sends Moses and Elijah to minister to Jesus, Just as, by the way, later in the Garden of Gethsemane, Luke tells us that the Father sent an angel to strengthen him. By the way, here's an encouragement. When Satan uses a Peter to tempt you, God will send a Moses or an Elijah to strengthen you. Look for that. When there's someone who stands in your way, and brings great grief and pain to your life. God will send someone else who will be a strength to you, an encouragement, and a support. It's his way, and it's what he does here for his son. Now, the two he sent were Moses and Elijah. I mean, how remarkable is that? Because Moses, of course, had died and been buried 1,400 years before the time of Jesus. And Elijah, of course, had been taken up into heaven 800 years before the time of Jesus. And yet here are the pair of them, as large as life on the mountain of transfiguration, and they are talking with Jesus. Here is something, by the way, very wonderful for all who grieve the loss of a loved one. Those who have died in Christ are very much alive. Amen? Those who have died in Christ are very much alive. And here, Moses and Elijah, who died hundreds of years earlier, are sent by the Father, and they are talking with Jesus. Now, what did they talk about? Well, Luke tells us that they spoke about his departure which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. In other words, a clear reference to 
all that Jesus would endure at the cross. That's what they spoke to him about. They were ministering to him. They were strengthening him as he prepared himself for the ordeal that lay ahead. He, they were doing what the disciples should have done and clearly did not do. Which, you know, raises this interesting question. What would Moses and Elijah have said to Jesus about his departure? Well, think about this. God gave the law through Moses. And surely the distinct contribution of Moses would be to speak to Jesus about his death in relation to the law. I picture him saying something like this to Jesus. In your life, you have fulfilled all of the law of God that was given through me. No one else has ever done this. I couldn't do it, Moses would have said, and Elijah here didn't do it either. You alone, Jesus, know the blessing that comes to those who keep the entire law of God. And now, you are going to bear the curse of sinners who break the law of God. You're going to stand in their place, and the curse that belongs to them will become yours, and the blessing that belongs to you will become theirs. And then, of course, Elijah was known as the greatest of the prophets. And so I expect that when Elijah spoke to Jesus about what lay ahead, he would have done so, spoken of the death of Jesus in relation to prophecy. Jesus, you are fulfilling all the words spoken by the prophets. They spoke of what you will suffer. Yes, but they also spoke of how you will triumph. Yes, you will go through the darkest valley, but on the other side you will enter into an inexpressibly glorious joy. You will be exalted to the highest place. The will of God will prosper in your hands. You will redeem an innumerable company of people from every tribe and nation, and the earth will be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets, and they come to minister to Jesus as he prepares for all that he will endure as he goes to Jerusalem. And Peter and the other disciples hear this ministry that comes from Moses and from Elijah to Jesus and to them. They hear what Jesus will accomplish at the cross when the way ahead of you is hard. Rejoice in the work of Jesus, in the knowledge that he has fulfilled all the law on your behalf and that all the prophecies of a glorious future will be yours in and through Christ Jesus. What do you do when the way ahead of you is really hard? You look at the glory of Jesus. You rejoice in the work of Jesus. And here's the third thing. You rest in the sufficiency of Jesus. 
Now, again, try and picture with me what, what happens here. Peter wakes up because he'd been asleep, wakes up, and there's this radiant light that is beaming from Jesus himself, and then he sees Moses and Elijah. By the way, how did he know that they were Moses and Elijah? We're not told. Did Jesus make the introduction? Did uh, Moses and Elijah introduce themselves? Did Peter just know intuitively? We, we don't know. But he knew that it was Moses and Elijah. By the way, if someone asks you the question, will we know one another in heaven? This is not a bad place to point for an answer. It's very clear that these are not two kind of anonymous people. This is Moses and this is Elijah. And they're right there and they're speaking with Jesus. Resurrection body anticipated. Notice what Peter said. He said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And I love the fact that Peter clearly has learned from Jesus' rebuke. He calls him Lord, and he says, now, if you wish... So the presumption that was there earlier that we looked at last week is going away. And he's now submitting himself to what Jesus wants because Jesus is Lord. We've got to pause the message there, but we'll continue next time as we look at the transfiguration and in particular looking at Peter's reaction to it. Our series is called Authentic Discipleship and today's message is called Confusion, covering what to do when it's hard to follow Jesus. And if you ever miss one of our messages or if you tuned in late, you can always catch up or go back and listen again online. Come to our website, that's openthebible.org.uk. You can also find our messages as podcasts if that's a more convenient way for you to listen to Pastor Colin Smith's teaching. You can find the podcast on your favourite podcasting site. Just search for Open the Bible UK and subscribe to receive regular updates. Also on our website and available as a podcast is Open the Bible Daily. This is a series of short two to three minute reflections, a new one every day, containing the teaching of Pastor Colin Smith, read in the UK by Sue McLeish. It's an excellent way to start every day and you can find it on our website and also as a podcast. Just search for Open the Bible UK and then select Open the Bible Daily Podcast. Subscribe to the podcast to receive a new one every day. Open the Bible is supported by our listeners. That's people just like you. And this month, if you're able to begin supporting us with a new donation in the amount of £5 per month or more, we'd love to send you a free gift. It's an Advent devotional, and it's called The Coming of the King by J.C. Ryle. Colin, who would you say this book is written for? <laughs> well, let me give you a couple of answers. One would be anyone who wants to prepare well for Christmas. Another would be anyone who loves the Lord Jesus Christ, because that's what this book is about. It is about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ and about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. These are short readings for Advent. They help us to prepare for Christmas. 
and they focus the light and all the attention on Jesus Christ himself. I love this little book because of its focus on Christ and because of the way that it builds faith and brings hope. Just a couple of pages to read each day and very simple, very clear and wonderfully Christ-centered. Well, we'd love to send you a copy of this book if you'd like to join many other Christians in supporting the work of Open the Bible this month. If you're able to set up a new donation in the amount of £5 per month or more, we'd love to send you this book. Full details on our website, openthebible.org.uk. For Open the Bible and Pastor Colin Smith, I'm David Pick, and I very much hope you'll join us again soon. What do we do when it's hard to follow Jesus? Find out next time on Open the Bible.